0: The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
1: This show's really starting to come together. I mean, this is live to tape today. Cody Merrow at the controls in the great state of New Jersey. That's probably the only time in my life that I've said the great state of New Jersey. I love New Jersey people for sure. It's episode 262 of the Anakin Florian podcast. It's Monday, August 10th, 2020 is the year. I got a little extra pep in my step. Kenflo. It's a pay-per-view week. It's a fight week. Let's fucking go.
2: Don't mess with Boston sports. Anik will get you. Uh, dude, when, when do you head out to Vegas?
1: Thursday. So we have fighter meetings over zoom on Wednesday, okay. which buys me an extra 24 hours With the family, for better or for worse, if you listened to the show last week. But, yeah, we head out Thursday, and it's obviously a big one. Our guy, DC, your longtime television partner, uh, trying to put a capstone on a mixed martial arts career that will be in the Hall of Fame. But I do not think it ends Saturday night, and I don't say that because of my friendship with him. I just think eventually— He's going to get called back to the table. He's going to sign on the dotted line again, but we will build this as a retirement fight, at least on the Cormier side. And I'm very excited to see what he can do with the opportunity.
2: Uh, Are you referring now to a John Jones possible fight at heavyweight? Is that
1: the fight Fight? that that would bring him out? Is that what you're saying? Or Brock Lesnar or excuse me, Brock Lesnar or a name that I'm not thinking of. I just feel like there will be a lot of zeros on the paycheck and it would inevitably be a name That would entice the ultimate competitor to such an extent that he couldn't say no. I do think at the end of the day, and you're going to hear a lot of this out of my mouth this weekend, he just likes to compete. And I think that pull is always going to be there, and eventually he'll take the bait. That's all.
2: Listen, it's tough for a lot of fighters to just say they're going to retire and stay retired, uh, especially when you're in a position like D.C., who has accomplished so much. Uh, and demands uh, a, a lot of money. And uh, you know, the UFC is certainly willing to uh, pay that money that he deserves, and there's a lot of guys that would love to to fight d c. So, Yeah, it's going to be hard for him to to say no to another fight after this, but it it doesn't get any bigger than this fight against Tipe Miocic. Miocic, an absolute beast. Um, There's obviously a very strong argument that the winner of this fight will go down as the greatest
1: UFC heavyweight of all time. So uh, a lot of the line, dude. I don't know that there's a point where you could overstate how much is on the line. You said arguably, and I just don't know. And again, who knows there could be some controversy with this fight, but if you get a clean, clear winner, I don't know that there could be any great argument for another heavyweight Mm -hmm. out there as the greatest of all time, certainly for Stipe with all the title defenses to add a fourth one here. It would be incredible. I don't know if he has one foot out the door or not. I know he has intimated to us in the past that he has, a burning desire to become a full-time firefighter in the state of Ohio. So I don't know yeah. how long Stepe is going to be around. I did not intend to lead the show this way, but it doesn't feel final for me on the DC side, even though I do think that there will maybe be a lot of retirement talk leading up to the fight. I just think that, uh, that he might fight again, but we have a show to recap before we get, Too much deeper into UFC 252. It was Derek Lewis's night camp flow on Saturday at the UFC Apex. He gets the TKO win over Alexio Olenek 21 seconds into round two. He was tested, I would ask you, to what degree by the submission game of Alexio Olenek early on. But uh, you had the Black Beast by TKO, and despite some potentially hairy moments, uh, the big man gets it done in a big way. I appreciate that Derek Lewis wants
2: to show that he's a more well-rounded fighter. I appreciate that he's been working on his ground game, but don't go to the ground with Alexi (laughs) Olynyk. That's the one way he was going to win, man. Get out of there. Let him stand up. (laughs) Knock him out. What are you doing? I turned into uh, Jerry Seinfeld for a little bit there, but uh, you know, in the end, it was Derek Lewis getting it done. You know, he's one of those guys, you look at him, you see the start of his fight. He kind of, you know, talks slow a little bit. He he's got his little stick that like he kind of jokes around. But boy, is he fast and he is a sneaky good athlete, dude. He is as explosive as anyone out there. Not many people are going to make Francis Ngannou hesitant to throw down. Uh, Derek Lewis was one of those guys. He possesses that kind of speed, that kind of power. And we saw that on display in that finish in that TKO of Alexio Linick. Some decisions were made that, you know, definitely made me a little bit worried for Derek Lewis. Uh, but uh, man, if he hits you, if he connects with one of those shots, you're done and he's going to fall through until the referee rips him off.
1: That is a dangerous and violent man. And because this is your podcast, we oftentimes find ourselves talking about the art of the ground strike and how not enough fighters Really know how to put guys away, whether it's with elbows or just sure. with pure accuracy and power, like you saw at a Derek Lewis. I enjoyed this fight from a Derek Lewis standpoint so much that I went back and watched his UFC debut against Jack May in 2014. And there were some other results. I think Guto, in a sense, was a guy that just scary stuff the way he pounds these guys out on the ground. And now when you start to add wins. And sometimes I get ahead of myself, as you well know, but big picture, Kenny, 15 UFC wins for Derek Lewis, who made his UFC debut in 2014. Like Junior Dos Santos has 15 UFC wins, but he was in the UFC in 2008. fucking eight. You know, I mean, this guy's eight win shy of Cerrone for the all time wins lead in UFC history, Kenny. I mean, I just am, am impressed with 20 UFC fights in and 15 wins for Derek Lewis and, uh, Got Alexio Linick to add uh, to the resume this weekend. It's all
2: the more impressive when you consider that uh, here's a heavyweight. Um, not a lot of heavyweights stay as active as that. Uh, and number two, the fact that he has been dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, his back has really bothered him throughout. Uh, his career. Uh, so yeah, it's extremely impressive what Derek Lewis has done. Uh, awesome power, getting a win over Olenek, who has been very dangerous and has spoiled a lot of parties out there. Uh, and to get back to your other uh, comment about how close Olinik was yeah. uh, to submitting Derek Lewis, I didn't think it was that close. There was maybe a couple seconds here and there on that uh, head and arm, you know, uh, Kessica Tommy that he had there. Uh, that seemed to be a little bit close at time, but no, I think Olenek was a little bit further away than he had hoped, uh, really was trying to crank, uh, on that head of Derek Lewis, trying to get that chin to the chest and try to, uh, impede his breathing. I'm sure he did a little bit of that, but I don't think Derek Lewis was really that close to submitting.
1: Well, he's a prize fighter and he is a richer one today than he was a few days ago. We congratulate Derek Lewis and you're right to bring up the injuries in terms of the career narrative. There was that fight against Fabrizio Verdum where he fell out day up because of a back injury. So there have been right. surgeries. There have been injuries. But Derek his has, balls have been hot as well. His, you know, right. his, <laughs> his testicles have overheated. Uh, if he's got manscaped, shouldn't be an issue anymore. <laughs> All right. So the Black Beast gets it done in the heavyweight main event uh, that was preceded by the co-main event. It was Chris Weidman over Omari Akhmedov. Pretty clear, unanimous decision. Twenty nine, twenty seven times two. And the wayward judge had a twenty nine, twenty eight. I did think that was a 10-8 in round three for Chris Weidman, based upon my interpretation of the language flow. Nonetheless, hugely needed W for Chris Weidman. And I think here on a Monday, that's really all that matters on his side. And then
2: that's all he wanted. You know, it it always makes me a little nervous when I hear a guy who's been around the game for a long time, who has found a lot of success in mixed martial arts. When they say, I need to get a win. Um, that kind of desperation worries me. And, you know, he's got, you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders and all that stuff, trying to provide for his family. And more importantly, you know, proof to himself that he's an elite fighter again. Um, that was a lot of pressure heading into that fight against a very tough Akhmedov. So, I was nervous, but you could just sense that it wasn't your normal Chris Weidman in the fact of, yeah, you know, maybe he seemed a little bit more off technically than we've seen Chris Weidman when, when he was certainly uh, at his peak, but he didn't have that same kind of kind of confidence and commitment to what he was trying to do in that fight. Um, he just didn't have that championship type aura or feeling, and, and that, that has been gone for a little bit, of course, but you at least want to see a fighter who's moving confidently. um, And I didn't quite see that, which had me a little bit nervous. And I think that had a lot to do with the pressure he he probably felt heading into that fight. Um, Amazing job by Ray Longo. I can't wait to talk to him about what he said uh, in between rounds heading into that third, because after that second round, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't sure if Chris Weidman was going to be able to go out there and deliver a strong third round. Right. And he absolutely did that, man. He really dug deep, uh, and, and brought it together and went back to what he does best. And that's what won in the fight.
1: Yeah. Look good physically. The cardio wasn't necessarily as strong as it's been in the past. Certainly he was able to dominate late in the fight, but complete cardio abandonment. If I'm not mistaken, on the other side for Omari Akhmedov. I mean, it's oftentimes we find ourselves so focused on Wideman and Longo's guys in these fights, but Akhmedov came in, can flow unbeaten for a long time. Uh, I thought his performance in defeat left a little bit to be desired as well. He's a tough, dangerous guy, but I do think that the experience of Chris Weidman really took
2: over in that third round. I think that not being there and and sucking air, heading into a third round, being exhausted, it being a close fight, can get the better of a lot of guys, even if you have a lot of experience. And off just not being there enough, I think, really affected him uh, against the veteran Chris Weidman. And uh, Chris did a great job
1: of of really adapting and pulling it together for that third round. All right, Longo's going to join us shortly, but at least one other performance that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Benil Darius just continues to add to the highlight reel. He's a winner by spinning backfist over Scott Holtzman, but of course he does not get the bonus because he missed weight, came in at 158 yeah. pounds. And this is a lightweight contender. This is a well-rounded fighter and a threat, I think, to most guys in this division. But this isn't something that I sort of matchmake moving forward as a lightweight win when you miss by mm. two full pounds. And I know he owned it, as best you could possibly own it. But to me, I think there's an asterisk when a guy like Paul Felder can't, can't, you know, you can't progress a guy forward when they miss weight. I love Benny Daryush, but I don't know for me, uh, this is a huge result, but there's a little bit of an asterisk next to it.
2: You make a great point. Um, You know, at the end of the day, one of those fighters didn't make the weight that they were supposed to. Um, So, That's a huge advantage. That is a huge advantage. And I know Darius is embarrassed by it and he definitely did own up to it. But I agree. I mean, that's one of those uh, wins that I think will have an asterisk or should have an asterisk there because of that um, inability to make weight. Uh, It's it's unfortunate. It's something that does happen. But as a professional fighter, man, you got to do better than that. Now, let's get back to Darius and what he actually did during the fight. Um, I thought again this was a a guy with a whole lot of firepower and Darius. You look at the two of them and you look at Holtzman and the guy is just he looks like an absolute athlete. Holt um, and and Darius just yeah. is one of those guys that maybe does not really quiet, a soft spoken, humble, uh, doesn't have that same kind of look, but uh, he can knock you out and he can submit you on the ground and I think. Moving forward for a guy like Scott Holtzman, who does a lot of things good, does a lot of things well, but doesn't lot do a lot of things great on the yeah. whole. And I think that's yeah. what's going to hold him back moving forward. For Darius, he's always going to be a threat because he does have that kind of high-powered offense. Uh, he, he's exciting to watch. But again, to get back to what you were saying, he's got to make weight. The UFC doesn't like that. Your opponents don't like that. Yeah. But I do think this is going to provide some motivation for Darius to, to get it together and make sure
1: he does a better job uh, of dieting and getting his uh, his weight in order. Yeah. Such a good fighter, right? The, even the just yes. the subtle body manipulations that guys like me don't necessarily realize, you see a guy like Daryush controlling Scott Holtzman in these clinch situations, with these subtle movements and you think, man, how is this former professional hockey player who looks like he's 205 pounds being held by this guy who looks like he's got 17% body fat like me? Right. But Daryush gets it done uh, in a big way. He does not get the bonus. And I guess I inject Felder's name into the conversation because he is a lightweight with a number six or seven next to his name. He has a hard time making 156 pounds. He's interviewing Daryush after the fact, and he's sort of putting the guy over, saying the world's Darius's oyster when it's like, dude, he didn't even make the contracted weight. You know, <laughs> so for me, I'm just watching this thinking, hey, it is what it is. Absolutely loved Daryush, but uh and, and thankfully he owned it as best he could.
2: It, that's between you and Felder. I mean, you guys yeah. have a little bone to pick yeah, and that's fine. I, I, I'm not trying to, you know, make your relationship controversial here, but I yeah. don't know. Maybe Kenny can push into that number one spot. Paul, you just sort it out with Anik. Will Thank you. you?
1: Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I got to yeah. take that up with him. <laughs> All right. Congrats to uh, Darren Stewart, Yana Kunitskaya. Timmy means business. Kevin Holland, Nashrat Hakparast, a lot of big winners over the weekend at UFC Fight Night. Lewis versus Olenek, but it's UFC 252 week, and we don't want to waste any more time on that, especially because we got Mongo waiting in about 60 seconds. First, though, want to let you know that support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official Electric Razor of UFC Manscape. You ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had like a full bush coming out of their singlet? No. Well, that could be because the Manscaped craze has caught on. Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy and truly is the best company in men's below-the-belt grooming. Their top-notch ball trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, you've heard me talk about it. It'll keep you clean and without any of those nicks and cuts. Manscaped has also partnered with a lot of top-tier MMA athletes, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, the future Hall of Famer Max Holloway, Francis Ngannou, And many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be the best. And so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned this lawnmower 3.0, a great ceramic blade with which accidents become a thing of the past. And beyond that, for our listeners and viewers out there who happen to be men, we told you last week, we'll tell you this week, you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there. And we want to help you get there. So to get 20% off with free shipping, go to Manscaped.com right now. Use the promo code AF. That's promo code AF1WORD for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, Ray Longo's in Las Vegas. He is celebrating a W. Hopefully, they have slowed the vodka pour. Let's get to Raymond Peter Longo. It's
3: now time for the Ray Longo Minutes. I want you to punch a hole in his fucking chest. That's what I
0: want. The Ray Longo Minutes. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast.
1: Nothing quite like a Ray Longo minute after one of his high profile UFC fighters gets a win. And that is our reality on this Monday as we welcome in live from Las Vegas and looking like you belong in Las Vegas today. I might add is the great Ray Longo. It's nice to see you. Congrats on a win, my man. How you doing?
3: Oh, man, thanks. I mean, was the only thing I'm upset about, John. I forgot my fucking mustaches. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. so I'm so upset. I thought I put them in the suitcase. I have no mustaches for the show.
1: Well, you know I have a solution.
3: What is that? To actually grow one? <laughs>
1: and I think it would complete
2: your whole look. You'll never leave it at home. And I, I think it would have led to a finish by wide Widman oh, would have yeah. got right. Or something if you had a mustache on.
3: Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I know. I'll I'll know I know how high.
1: <laughs> I know how high your expectations are for Chris, but you guys prioritize the win sort of by any means necessary. I know we talked a little bit off the air, but uh, yeah. how do you feel overall? A win's a win as far as I'm concerned. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm really happy for him. He got the win. It wasn't the way I expected it to go, uh, and he really had to dig down deep after the second round, which is a good takeaway. And I think moving forward, you're going to see him, really rely on his wrestling go back to his roots because i think he's so strong there when he's on so uh he'll make some adjustments there but he did say the floor was slippery so he was struggling with his footwork and and you know was footing on in in the octagon and and i think that had something to do with it but uh you know all in all i think look he was under a lot of pressure uh he needed a w i mean before the fight it was like look we're going back to what got you here I want you to try to blend the stand-up in with the wrestling as best you can, but let's go to where you're strong. And, you know, we knew even if he didn't get him down, the other guy would have to gas out also because that's that's a lot of pressure defending against that guy, especially when he's relentless. So, you know, I was happy for a bunch of things. And, again, I think the pressure that was on him, he is human. Uh, He needed that W. We actually even went through it, like, forget entertaining anybody, you know, because sometimes that's where you go. You want to do the right thing. Everybody likes an enter, you know, a knockout. Or the- just fuck that, man. Get the W. It's one fight at a time. If you're going to do this, you know, get serious. And it's really one fight at a time. I wouldn't even talk about titles, anything. Just right. give me, I, I want to grow. If I'm going to do it again, let's just go one fight at a time. And, like, it, it, it get, I'll let you talk, but, again, like, in the gym, Uh, you know, I don't see anything like, you know, what goes on in the octagon. He's still crushing people in the gym. He's still super talented. And I'm hoping that the W really gives him the uh, confidence to, uh, you know, uh, you know, move forward in in a positive manner.
1: So in terms of the offensive wrestling, is that what you're referencing? Just the speed and the aggression and the talent you see it in droves in the gym and not necessarily translating on fight night. Like it used to.
3: Well look he is getting older and he was healthy so that was a good thing but if you go back and look at a highlight reel of his takedowns oh. the kid is fucking phenomenal he really is so you know i'm saying it's it's you know probably a mental thing and again there was a lot of pressure and you know in fighting you can't hesitate an eighth of a second right you know you're either all in or roll out you know what i mean so uh, sometimes if, you know, mentally, if you're, you, you're uncertain and, you know, he was the champ, now he's building up. He had a lot of, you know, a couple of losses. That, that's a lot, man, to, to deal with. So I really applaud him on that because that's a, it's a tough position to be in. And, uh, again, a win's a win. He dug down deep in that third round, was definitely even going into that. And not only did he win the round, I think deservingly so, he got a 10-8 round, so, you know, I'm happy for him. He, I, I could see, you know, he, he knows he was a little off. So uh, I like his honesty in that and what he did. In the I agree. Interviews, and we'll uh, you know, we'll take it from there. But uh, I'm happy to see him get a W because I think mentally there was nothing better that could have happened to him.
1: There's yeah. no denying the avalanche of pressure that was on Chris Weidman going in. Some time in South Carolina, the pending move, everything else. And you're right. It was a 10-8 in round three. And so if you can't get the finish, at least that is the lasting image that you leave with fans. Uh, Before we have Ken Flo chime in here, I just wanted to ask you what it was like traveling to Las Vegas, being masked up on the plane, working a corner for the first time in this climate and everything that sort of encompassed your first fight week. You look pretty happy there. Although I couldn't see your great smile behind that,
3: that mask. <laughs> sure. No, uh, flight was great. And I, I flew first class. So it was, I had a really, I had to bed, you know, the whole that
1: hair don't belong in coach. I mean, that's <laughs> goddamn And I'll tell sure. you
3: that, I'm going to say, John, there was maybe 20 people on a pretty big plane. So the plane was empty, which is wow, crazy. Wow. So I felt good. I felt bad for Delta, but I felt good about, uh, everything else, you know, right. uh, and I, I, hats off to the UFC, man. Not that I'm a big fan of being quarantined, but they did a great job. I mean, they really, you know, they have that, you know, where everybody stays, you know, with the security. And you get tested, you have to quarantine for 24 hours. Then you're out for a little bit. Then you have to go back in, get tested again after the weigh-in. And right. I think they, uh, you know, look, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if the test, you know, how reliable anything is. But I'll tell you what, man, they're, they're making the effort. And, again, I'd rather be Roman free, you know what I mean? But uh, from a safety standpoint, I think they're doing the right thing. They definitely – it was no nonsense, you know what I mean? They definitely very strict, even in the dressing rooms. And what I liked about it, I told Chris, I like this actually better because, man, it's there's no family, there's no friends, there's no distractions. Yeah, it was just, right? You know, me, Aljo and Patrovich – very dedicated. There was no outside distractions at all. You change at the hotel, you get driven to the, to the arena, you fight and you get the hell out of there. Yeah. They, have, they have your bags waiting for you at the door. You don't even go back to the dressing room. So as much as I love hanging out in the green room and, you know, seeing all the guys and the coaches and stuff, you know, that stinks. But, you know, from a pure fight standpoint, I thought it was very focused and dedicated and For me as a coach, I didn't know if there was a crowd or not. I'll be honest with you. That's that's God's honest truth. once that door closes, it's normal. And I did coach on the show, so I guess it was similar. But for this fight, I really didn't know who was there. And I didn't give a shit.
2: (laughs) I love it. Hey, Ray, you know, after that second round, um, Chris seemed exhausted mentally, physically, spiritually. What did you say to him in between that second and third round uh, to get him to turn things around again?
3: Uh, well, I mean, look, I think you see it online, you know, it was more of a motivational speech, but I was, you know, I was kind of pissed, man. And I just really wanted to motivate him. I had to become more of a cheerleader and it was really just, you know, really what I think what, you know, was just suck it up, man. You got five minutes and let's man up and do what I know you can do. You know, instead, I don't know, he had a good, uh, you know, a decent first round. I was confused why he was even tired, but of course it was a wrestling based. Game plan and that's Mm -hmm. going to exhaust you, but that's what he does his whole life. So I'd like to see that corrected moving forward to where he could grind out that wrestling. And then I think he'd still be a problem because he is that good with the wrestling. And, you know, you look at, you know, I was telling him, look, if you take a guy down and he gets back up, there's no frustration. No anxiety, Just do it again. You know, be like right, a Marab. Right. Marab don't give a fuck if you get up. Right. He, sometimes he picks you up so he could fucking throw you down. <laughs> yeah, here. right. You know, he he really doesn't yeah. give a shit. And that's the mindset you need. You need that mindset. Be relentless with what you do. Good. Honestly, for me, I know it didn't look it, but I know the wide man I know would have pieced him up standing up too. But I was. I said, listen, it's a W. Go back to where you're strong. And again, anybody that's going to defend you off. You they're going to be so exhausted from that, and it you know and it'll create it should open up your striking anyway if you chose to do that. But this time we were really pretty focused on just stay with what you're good at, which is the grappling and uh, and that's that's what we did, man. And I'm I'm happy for him because again I think there's a lot of psychological stuff that you know is people don't get the pressure of you know being a champion and going on a winning you know a losing streak, dude. This is. This is tough, man. It's I tough. mean, it's not for everybody, Kenny. You know what I mean? Like, this is really, really tough stuff. So, for, you know, for the, all the armchair coaches that sit out there and, you know, pontificate on, you know, where I think he could have did this and he did, I mean, it's fucking awful. It's <laughs> yeah. it's fucking horrible. This yeah. is high stakes, man. You know, uh, Amari, the guy, I'm not saying he's technical, but he's fucking he's strong. Tough. He's yeah. tough as a motherfucker. And Weidman, dude, they couldn't get out of the guy's mount. You know what I mean? So Weidman did a great job in the third, and uh, we're gonna just take it from there, and and hopefully, you know, keep building on it.
1: It's so interesting, Kenny, to hear Ray talk about some of the intricacies that go into the fighter transport. Like Flo, imagine getting your hands wrapped, however many hours before the fight. Right? Weidman shows up at the apex, hands are already wrapped. Correct, Ray?
3: No, no, he did get them wrapped when we got to the air, but we had a change here. So all our deer was on. So he just goes there, gets wrapped, warms up and basically fights.
1: Incredible. I think maybe it was fight Island when Kamara Usman was showing up and Volkanovsky was showing up and we're showing these arrival shots on broadcast and the hands are already wrapped. I know I saw it with Davis and Figueredo. Uh All right. Well, I'm happy for you. It's interesting too. You mentioned the floor being slippery because yeah. they do sp- Spray some sort of sanitizing agent after each fight. And I don't know if that is the root of the problem, but we have heard a lot of fighters talk about uh, a slippery floor. All right. Seems like we lost Kenflow. Cody's gonna try to get him back, but Marab Dwalish Willie is fighting on pay-per-view this weekend against John Dodson. He's a minus one eighty betting favorite. Before I get your thoughts on DC and Stepe, your thoughts on Marab in what looks to be a pretty fascinating matchup. I don't think there's much of a secret as to what Mirab might be trying to do, but what do you think about this matchup with Johnny Dodson?
3: Looking Dodson's tricky for anybody, man. I mean, he did knock Pedion down. Uh there's a way to fight Dodson. I think I think we have a great game plan. His sparring part is were phenomenal for this camp. Good. Uh his cardio as usual is in place. And uh you know, as long as he doesn't overextend himself and make a mistake, he should have a good night. But Dotson, man, you got to respect the guy. And he is tricky. Uh, and if you, you you know, you overcommit with Dotson, you could pay for it. So I think it's a tricky fight. I think it's definitely the most trickiest fight for, uh, for, uh, for that Marab's had. So I'm excited to see how he does with that.
1: And I give credit to John Dodson for accepting this matchup. Right, he's the higher ranked fighter. And again, I don't think it's a long line of people who are texting Sean Shelby asking to fight Marab Dwalish Willie, who could be six and zero in the UFC. I know without that's yesterday's doubt. news, Ray, but it really is incredible. He is the best four loss fighter on this UFC roster when you look <laughs> yeah, at his doubt. overall body of work. So
3: yeah, without all controversial losses.
1: All right. Before we let you go, we happen to have a heavyweight championship. Trilogy fight happening on Saturday night. You may have heard Daniel Cormier, slightest of favorites right now against Stipe, who I know, you know, a little bit. What do you think, man? What do you think uh, is at stake? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, this feels like the biggest heavyweight fight that I have called by a pretty significant margin.
3: And D.C. is the favorite? Very
1: slightly. It's essentially wow. a pick 'em, But at least where I place my bets right now, D.C. minus one fifteen, Stipe minus one oh five.
3: Yeah, I mean, first off, I love both guys. That has to be, you know, said first because, you know, uh, I really love both guys, but obviously I'm closer to Stipe because he's at the gym. So, um, hey, look, they've, they're they one and one. I think they both know how to beat the other guy. So, again, it's going to come down to, uh, you know, D.C.'s getting a little older. Stipe's a blue-collar guy, man, so, you know, he's not – He's not drifting all over the place. He doesn't have to make weight. You know, it looks like he's in great shape. Right. Uh, you know, he doesn't balloon up to three hundred, then come down. You know, the guy's still working. He's that kind of guy, and he had success with the body shots. If DC's not in shape, if you know, I don't know where his weight went to, uh, but if he doesn't come in in tip-top shape, I think uh, Stipe's winning that fight. I think he's winning either way. Uh, I think I think, uh, you know, again, uh, D.C.'s talking about legacy. Stepe I think, wants to put a he wants to put an exclamation point on this, too. And I think Stipe really uh, almost has more to prove. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder with everything. Right. So I think he's going to be a hard guy to get rid of in this fight. And I'm going to pick Stepe.
1: You're making me more excited <laughs> than I already was for that fight. And I didn't think that was necessarily possible. But I do think that on the Cormier side, a lot of it does have to do with cardiovascular strength and strength and conditioning and, and how he'll handle those championship rounds if they get there, because I do believe skill for skill, uh, that Cormier is the better fighter. All right. Yeah. We're going to let you get back to, uh, your Las Vegas afternoon. It's three thirty-eight Pacific time. I mean, what do you got going on? You said Aljo has been like pouring vodka down your throat. What are you doing the rest <laughs> of the off, day?
3: First off I'm staring at the fucking smoke detector. So we keep me on. The yeah. show. Don't let me go. Oh, we got all night.
1: We got all fucking night. But uh, (laughs) what have you been doing out there?
3: You ever see see stir crazy with Gene Wilder where they throw him (laughs) in the hole and then they open up the door. Kenny, like three days later, goes, please, no. One more day. (laughs) I'm going to do please. They they tried to let me out of quarantine. I was like, I don't want to go out. You become
2: institutionalized.
3: Yeah, Yeah, become institutionalized. (laughs) But, uh. Now, I no, uh, no, Wild Joe and uh, petrovich they smashed that bottle of vodka that didn't <laughs> last maybe an hour. Yeah. I went to pour a drink, and it was like half a shot left. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me I, when I did this show with Drago and Matt years ago, I was rooming with Drago, and we bought a bottle of vodka, and he started making we he had the Foreman and grill. we were gonna eat healthy and he opens up the bottle of vodka about 20 minutes, goes by, I see he's smashing the forming grill, and, like, he broke the grill, and <laughs> I go, let me get this bottle away from him. I go, well, over, John, the bottle was empty. He went <laughs> through that bottle like 20 minutes. Yeah. The guy, I, I couldn't even believe it. I go, let me just get it away so he doesn't get it. gone. Unbelievable. I couldn't have been more than 20 minutes with that bottle.
1: How about that? I could put yeah. a fifth back pretty quickly in my day at Gettysburg College there in, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. But, uh, hey, man, I'm excited to see you. So I get in on yeah. Thursday morning. I'll, I'll handle my quarantine or whatever else. But uh, at some point, maybe we'll, we'll do a little fist bump, maybe a little little man hug. We'll see how it plays out. I'm excited for that interaction. Godless.
3: I tell you, this Cody's got some smile on him, Joe. I know. He
1: really does. Our, our viewers cannot see Cody Merrow right now, but <laughs> we can see him in all his glory. Cody, can our viewers see your face right now? They can't.
2: Well, they might have to because we keep losing flow. I mean, a younger, you know, is, is
3: attractive-looking man
2: like flow. so.
3: Yeah. Is it possible he's got blue eyes to me, this guy? Are those contact lenses?
2: Oh, no, these are, are real, you, baby. Are you
3: cheating? Are you cheating oh, right oh, now? guy's no. Definitely not. This guy's no, got they get
2: tinted there. sometimes. They get tinted, but they're always blue. <laughs>
1: All right, well uh we'll we'll have to continue the uh, the Cody Marrow Ray Longo bromance another time. But hey man, I'm happy you got that W yeah. because in staying out in Las Vegas it wouldn't have been the, the, oh, the funnest of yeah. few days for you if I'm being candid leading that's into the a, prop
3: fight. That's a really good point. That's so, a really and I and I take that shit
1: really.
3: I know you do. I know heart, you, do. you know, so yeah, it was a feel good moment and I just like to see this kid build on it. And again, I think we got we came up with a couple of good things and I liked the way everything was handled, so uh, onward and upward. Ray, I England got something Cartel, for you in the layout. My
1: New England Cartel hat
3: Oh, tipped to you wow. in
1: honor of the W. Cody, what was that, bro? So we keep challenging Ray every week, and he's going to add to his kitten all the time. Last fight, Marab had 13 takedowns, over under 12 takedowns for the fight this weekend.
3: Oh. Oh man, I think Dotson's a hard guy to hold down. So
1: hard guy to take down too.
3: Yeah, hard guy to take down. So I'm gonna have to go under. But uh, if he could fend this guy off 20 times in a row, he's gonna be gassed all see. But I mean, he's getting older too. So I will see how his gas tank holds up. Because the other guy, like again, I said it last week, a three round fight is a disservice to this guy. He right. needs five right. to 20. Right. 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 <laughs> All right, well,
1: uh, go get your fucking mask, put in a Grubhub order, and we'll see you in a few days.
3: <laughs> Take it easy, guys. There he Take is. Care. Take care. The Ray Long right. Minute
1: every week here Take on the Anakin Take Florian care. podcast, and we'll go from, uh, from Ray Long to Raycon. Can I even do that, Cody? Well, whether you're working on your fitness or working from home— seems these days everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds but before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair you got to check out the wireless earbuds from raycon you already know raycon earbuds started about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and having now tried them i can tell you they sound just as good as the other top audio brands that you know so ken flo and i got a pair of the newest model the everyday e25 earbuds these are the best ones yet you get six hours of playtime easy bluetooth pairing the bass is outstanding And there's also now more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit, perfect for conference calls or podcasts. They're also discreet, no wires or stems or anything like that. So for video calls, they really are quite good. And I did a radio hit in my Raycons the other day, and it sounded perfect. So we'd encourage you... To at least go online, and I'll b- I bet you will be picking up a pair to see what the hype is all about. Celebs like Mike Tyson, Jr. Smith, all on board, and now is the time for you to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get fifteen percent off your order at buyrayconcom Florian. That's buyrayconcom Florian for fifteen percent off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com/annikflorian. Florian. right, UFC 252 beckons in like five days. Let's get to the picks. Event
0: challenge. The Anik.
1: The time is most
4: definitely now.
0: Florian.
4: Yeah! I finished fight. I'm
0: gonna do everything possible to win. The main event challenge.
3: The John Anik
0: and Kenny Florian Podcast.
1: All right, it was 93 to 90 for Team Florian heading into UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek. And it is now four straight winning weeks for Team Florian. Ken Flo takes the week 6-4. The difference is prediction on Derek Lewis by TKO. So it's now 9994 Team Florian in command as we come up on a big one. UFC 252, Michich versus Cormier 3, as we welcome on the duck, Ian Parker. Ian, it's nice to see you today, my friend. The beard is looking good.
4: You know, I debated on trimming it before the show. I feel like it's getting a little uh a little too COVID-like. Um, but I appreciate your love for it. So maybe I'll keep it another week. We'll see.
1: Well, sometimes when you look in the mirror. It looks different than it does on camera. We got the duck sound effect for you today. Thanks to I Cody. Appreci- appreciate yeah, that. That'll be here throughout the rest of the uh, history of the show. As long as you hold down this slot. I mean, we can joke about the four straight losing weeks off the top, but let's get a little bit serious, right? Listen, right?
4: round one with Alexi Olnick looked like I had it for a second. Looked pretty good. But according to Derek Lewis, that British bulldog choke just wasn't going to finish the fight. Um, yeah, look. I took a shot with Olinic. Round one kind of went how I thought it would go if it got to the ground. Um, I actually wanted to ask Kenny here. I thought what Oleynik did was very bizarre with all the time he had on the ground to go for a choke that you have to put all your strength into to get it done. He could have done he, he could dude, he could have teabagged Derek Lewis and choked about that way if he wanted to. All right. Instead, well, it's
2: funny. You make a great point because you're like, dude, he'll let someone mount him to get an Ezekiel, but he won't <laughs> get the mount to use an Ezekiel. You're like. Oh, I don't, but God. hey, Atlantic mean, has his here's a guy who's got 48 submissions. So what the hell do I know? I don't have that many submissions, but still, Derek Lewis uh, was like kind of trying to help you out in that first round. It seemed.
4: I mean, look, I have 51 submissions, but it's my, <laughs> um, my, you know, I just feel like you're in a position against a guy who I didn't know was the best blue belt in Texas. Apparently, that Derek right. Lewis claims that he is, which is awesome. But come on, man, you're inside mounting the guy. You're one of the best jujitsu guys in MMA right now. And he went for the bulldog choke, not once, not twice, but three different times. And you knew if he didn't get in the first round, that that energy level was going to drop. So yeah. I still don't, I, I don't regret that pick. He almost had it. It is what it is.
1: It is what it is. And as the captain of team, Anik, we are calling on you for a big week here. It is a pay-per-view event for the MMA leader. Five picks coming up. The first of which will be the featured prelim on ESPN in the lightweight division. Fight that came together quickly. It is a pick em. Minus 110 on both sides, Jim Miller and Vince from hell. Pachelle, Ian Parker, who do you have? Well, after Jim Miller's performance
4: last time, uh, I like him here. I do think that Vince presents a little bit of a problem with his power and his striking. But I don't think it's anything that Jim Miller hasn't seen before. I think the UFC finally gave Jim Miller a guy that I'm not sitting here going like, man, they're really going to do Jim Miller dirty like that. Jim's going to be smart here. He's not going to brawl. I think he's got the better technical boxing right? Uh, jujitsu like night and day though, this fight's going to get to the ground. Jim Miller's going to get this one by submission. I think Vince is a very tough guy has shown his stuff throughout his career. I just think this is a very, very winnable fight and an obvious path to victory for Jim Miller. And I'm not going to screw that one up again. I I was very harsh on him last time against uh, Roosevelt Roberts, not making that mistake again. Give me Jim Miller on this one.
1: All right. Ian likes Jim Miller and Lyme disease has nothing on Jim Miller. Can flow fifth fight in 17 months now for Mr. Miller. Third of 2020. You heard Ian reference the big win. It was a quick one over Rosie Roberts. On the other side, you have Vince Pichel, who has won five of six. He's coming off a win over Roberts as well, but that was all the way back in June of 2019. If my research is accurate, Pichel had hip surgery, and that forced him out of a November matchup with Alexander Yakovlev, the rapper-slash-fighter. So, Ken Flo, here we go. Tough lives Vince Pichel returning from another extended layoff here against the consummate veteran Jim Miller. How do you handicap Pichel's chances here?
2: You know, to, to keep things sweet and short, I think for Pichelle, he's the guy with less miles. Uh, Jim Miller is a guy with a tremendous amount of experience, obviously. Um, I do think he's a little bit better of a submission artist. Um, I think he's very good in the clinch as well. They kind of have similar styles. I just think Jim Miller uh, has a better arsenal of submissions. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Jim Miller here. I do think it's going to be a tough fight. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a third-round decision for Miller. Uh, But uh, let's go with the veteran Jim Miller.
1: All right, a couple guys there liking Jim Miller in that minus 110 range. Now we get to the bantamweight division. You got team Sarah Longos, Marab, Willie, minus 180, the favorite. Taking on the roster staple, John Dodson, who comes back at plus 160. So Murab's won four in a row since that 0-2 start to his UFC career. Dodson on the other side, Ian. He's fought 16 times in the UFC, twice against DJ for the flyweight title. He's now almost 36 and trying to make a run at 135 pounds. Your thoughts on Dodson here as the dog against Murab?
4: I'm a little surprised the odds are where they are because of Dodson's win over Wood uh, a few months back. This is an interesting fight. This is exactly the type of guy that Marab needs to fight right now. And we really need to see Listen, we know Marab is a takedown machine, a cardio machine. Dodson's very sneaky. He's one of those guys in the division that has extremely powerful hands, and we've seen it. Um, his takedown defense, I think, has actually gotten worse over the years. He relies on his, you know, his tricks to kind of get out of that. He doesn't sprawl like he used to. He tries to jump out of the way marab is going to be the stronger guy uh, i think cardio does win this fight i just hope marab doesn't get too comfortable swinging for the fences to get into that double leg i think he's got to keep his hands up because dodson has the power i thought this fight was gonna be more like a minus 125 for marab just based oh, on the wow. of competition that both guys fought that's not a knock on marab listen i think marab is a future champ there's not too many guys with the cardio with the takedowns. Listen. Shooting it on a guy and consistently taking guys down like that, Kenny will tell you the energy that you use is everything. It's insane. It could drain you. Um, he doesn't show it. I think this is his time to really shine. Dotson, I hate to call him a gatekeeper, uh, but in this type of fight, that's what it looks like. I'm going to go Marab here. I just, Dotson, it could be a sneaky play, but I'm, I'm going to still go with
1: Marab. flow Dotson, Dwalish Willie, you got number 15, favor to beat number 12. Who do you have?
2: I know exactly what Ian's talking about. Listen, I I think, uh, John Dodson could be an interesting underdog bet. Uh, I do think he's faced a lot of very tough competition. Um, he gets most of his wrestling defense done with his footwork and his range distance. And I I don't think we're going to see one of those performances. I don't think anyway, from Marab where he's hitting, you know, over 10 takedowns in this fight. If he does, Man, that's going to be one tough guy to stop. I don't think that's the way it's going to play out, though. I think he's going to have to pick and choose um, how he gets his takedowns and then what he does after that. Controlling Dodson is no easy task, um, and he's got to be patient. So I I like Murab in this one as well. I do think it's going to be a very close
1: uh, decision uh, on this one as well. Let's go with Murab for the win. All right, Marab Dwallis, Willie, really about minus 180 here on a Monday during fight week. Now we get to a feature bout in the heavyweight division. A couple of American top team stablemates here, and we will have Ken Flo lead the picks. Jarzinho Rosenstrick, 155. Junior Dos Santos, plus 135. So Rosenstrike called for that fight with Francis Ngannou. Um, got it. And it went for him the way it's gone for most against ingano of Lady lost in 20 seconds, thereby falls from the ranks of the unbeaten. But Kenny doesn't fall that far because he's getting a huge fight here against the former champ JDS biggie boy favorite. Ken Flo, who do you have?
2: You know, I, I like Rosen Rosenstrike in this one. I, I think he's a guy with a lot less miles. I think he's going to be a little bit faster. Um, I, I love that counter left hook that he throws and it's a great shot to throw against someone like a junior Dos Santos who sometimes throws himself off balance with that overhand. Uh, and Dos Santos can certainly get the knockout here as well. He still has that power, still has that speed, especially early in the fight. Uh, but I do think um, Rosenstrike will get a finish
1: probably either in the, you know, end of the second, early third. All right. Careful likes Jarzinho, Rosenstrike, And on the other side, you have junior Dos Santos 36 years old has lost his last two, but of course to elite competition, Francis and Gano Curtis razor blades, both by TKO hate to read too much into social media, but no denying the shape that Saganos in the mustache looks outstanding. Your thoughts on junior dos Santos. And do you see any value in him as a slight dog here against biggie boy?
4: Ah, uh, I love junior dos Santos. One of the nicest guys think I've ever met in this sport, but I just don't see this going very well for him. And then this is, Look, he's at a point in his career where when he loses, he loses really bad. And in the heavyweight division, I don't know how much more that he can take. And unless he utilizes his jiu-jitsu game, which he does have, getting in a kickboxing fight with MMA gloves against a guy in Rosenstrike is not a good idea. Listen, Rosenstrike did call for that Francis fight. And if you go back and watch, Francis just sprinted at him throwing really wild hooks. And if one of those connects, you go to the shadow realm, as Kenny likes to put it. And he did. Junior doesn't... I don't think he has that same ambush, you know, Uh power wise, it's heavyweights. So they all possess that. I just don't see his striking really being much of a threat right now. Rosen strike is the better fighter striking wise, despite fight, unless it goes to the ground, but I don't even want to ramble on about this. I'm scared for Junior Dos Santos. I'll be honest. I think Rosen strike knocks him out. I just hope it's not too bad.
1: All right. Co-main event at Bantamweight, couple of title hopefuls here. Sean O'Malley, the sugar show, the minus 325 favorite here against Marlon Chito, Vera, who is a whopping plus-265 underdog. I'm not sure, Ian, that people quite understand just how good both of these guys are in terms of all of their different mixed martial arts skills. Uh, Who do you have in the co-main event, and how do they get it done?
4: Oh, I've been dying to talk about this fight since it got booked. This is, look, (laughs) is this the Edmund Shabazian type of situation we're looking at here? You know, we who have we seen Sugar Sean fight that really shows us who he is as a fighter? Listen, Eddie Weiland getting knocked out that quick, that doesn't show me who Sugar Sean is. We talk about going through adversity, being put on your back, having your legs kicked out. The level, I don't blame him for the level of competition he's fought. He said it in his interview with you guys. He's taking it slow. He wants to be built up. Now, all of a sudden, we're hitting the gas a little bit. Um, I thought Chido Vera beat Song Yudong. I I didn't just say that because I like Yudong's name, although it is awesome. No, I thought he clearly won that fight. Cheeto Vera, if he's going to get this win here, he has to stop being so hesitant in that first round, something Kenny and I have continuously spoken about with him. That's his biggest problem. Otherwise, he is a very well-rounded guy. He's awesome. Um, He possesses the power. The striking's there. He's got a great ground game. The question is, is Sugar Sean going to land that one punch on Cheeto? I don't think that happens right now. So... I gotta make up some room here. I gotta get some points. And I think this is the fight where I'm gonna take a shot. I don't think Cheeto Vera should be plus 260 in this fight based on everything. That's not taking away anything from Sean or or giving maybe Cheeto too much credit where he's at in his career. But between who these guys have fought in their young careers, Cheeto has fought way better competition. Sean's done what he's needed to done to get do to get here, no doubt. But this is where we really see what he's made, see what he's made of, you know. I think Cheeto's going to put the pressure, and for that reason, <coughs> I'm going to go with the under- for now. I'm going to go with the underdog here and take Marlon Vera.
1: Do you have a method?
4: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go. I'm going to go decision. I don't think all either right. one of these guys finish each other.
1: Decision for Cheeto Vera, Kenny. I think we're all in agreement that the price seems pretty wide here, wider than we expected to. I don't think Las Vegas has given Cheeto Vera a whole lot of credit, but again, of course, you need betters to move that number. Uh, Cheetos won five of six, could easily be six in a row. You know, he eats clean. He stays ready, but so does O'Malley. O'Malley's 12-0, and 0, and I think he's a guy who's really looking to make up for lost time, right? Third start here for O'Malley in 2020. Fascinating fight. I'm glad they're getting the co-main event, the co-main event shine, but the masses want to know, Ken Flo, Cheeto or O'Malley, who do you like? Uh,
2: Cheeto's a beast, man. Um, I I think he's a guy who's extremely well-rounded, perhaps more well-rounded than Sean O'Malley. Uh, I do think he's more of a threat on the ground than Sean O'Malley. Um, We haven't seen too much of O'Malley's clinch game. I think Cheeto... Uh, is going to be a handful there. He's one of the few guys. He's not um, quite as tall as O'Malley, but he's not short for that division. He's pretty tall for that division as well, which I think is an interesting wrinkle mm-hmm. to that fight. Um, I think if Cheeto's able to get to the clinch, um, try to take away that reach advantage of O'Malley, um, trying to work those knees and short elbows and try to take the fight to the ground and really make it a grind, which he is capable of doing, I absolutely believe that Cheeto Vera can win that fight. Um, I, I think that for O'Malley, we will find out what he's all about, uh, whether he gets this win or not. Um, he's got to beat. he's got to beat uh, a Cheeto Vera if he does want to be a champion in this division. That is not going to be easy. But I do think he'll be able to squeeze out. He'll be able to squeeze out a decision win.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see it. That's your co-main event, Sean O'Malley and Marlon Chito Vera. And the boys are split on that one. We'll see if Joe Osborne has anything on that fight coming up here in about five minutes. All right, main event for the UFC heavyweight title. Daniel Cormier minus 115, Stipe Miocic minus 105 for our purposes. That means Stipe is the slight underdog, thus two points in our scoring system if he wins. So the first meeting, July of 2018, goes to D.C. The second meeting, August of last year, Cormier dominates the first three-plus rounds, then succumbs. Stipe weathers the storm, gets the fourth-round finish. Trilogy gets decided here on Saturday night. It's live on pay-per-view. Ian, you and I have talked extensively about this fight off the air, so I know which way you're going. But you're on the air now, Cormier or Miachich? For the record,
4: I also know where Kenny's going, so that's a lot of fun. Ah, um, uh, you know what? I-, I think it's kind of I- I'm kind of thrown off by the odds a little bit because, to your point, DC dominated the first three rounds of that fight, and then a couple of the body shots, and one punch changed everything. You know, I don't know if anyone saw, he did an interview over the last few days where he was called out for not wrestling as much against a guy like Stipe. You know, I think for Daniel Cormier here, I don't honestly believe that this is his last fight at all. I think if he does win, I think him and John Jones do it at heavyweight because the money is going to be way too rich for it. And someone like Cormier, that's his legacy, man. Like, win or lose, he's still who he is. Um, look, Stipe shows grit. We know who Stipe is. He can take the damage, um... He comes back against Overeem. It happened. He got dropped. He came back and won that fight. The problem though with me is that Stepe's chin has taken a lot of shots. And I think for Daniel in this fight, he, I mean, in that last fight, it was the body shots. You know, otherwise I thought he fought perfectly, you know, up until that four, was the fourth round. Right. So it's hard for me to really see this difference all of a sudden. Like what is Stepe going to be able to do different than the last time? That's going to just change this fight altogether. Cormier has been fighting a certain way forever and he hasn't even really had to use his wrestling. That's the scary part. Imagine he goes in there and starts scrambling, shooting outside singles, hitting him with a high crack, the double. Stipe's going to be like, holy shit, this guy's not trying to knock my block off. He's trying to grind me out a little bit. And that will also drain him. For that reason, I do believe Diego Cormier is going to tap into that lead, that wrestling role. Uh, I think he has to here. I don't think he wants to get knocked out. I think he wants to get this win and play it a little bit safer. And if the knockout comes it comes, Give me Daniel Cormier by third round TKO.
1: All right, D.C. by third round TKO. And what a moment it would be if it materializes for Daniel Cormier. Kenny, feels like there's a lot on the line here, right? Unbelievable. Our poll results, we did ask our Anakin Florian podcast listeners to make a prediction. Fifty eight point one percent of about three or four thousand had D.C. Forty one point nine percent for Stipe Miocic. So, Ken Flo, you know, for me, I think a lot of it will come down to cardio. The fourth round, as I've said repeatedly, has been a little bit of a kryptonite for Daniel Cormier. What do you think about this third and potentially final meeting between two of the best heavyweights of all time? Oh, boy. You know, I I get way more nervous for when my
2: friends fight than when I fought. Um, You know, so I I, uh, I'm really nervous for D.C. I think that Stipe is quite the challenge. I think that. Um, his footwork, uh, in particular presents a problem for Daniel, who tends to kind of creep in and try to make the octagon you know, tries to make the octagon as small as possible. Uh, the octagon will be a little yeah, bit smaller, right. literally. Um, so I think that does play to his advantage. Um, Stipe's not going to be able to move around as much as he normally does. And I think for a guy who has been fighting on pay-per-view main events for the you know latter part of his career, that is going to be an adjustment. Um uh, particularly for Stepe. He's gonna have to be cleaner uh and more precise with where he where he goes, where he moves uh with his body, how he positions positions himself up against the fence. Um and I think for DC that's a huge advantage. That it really is a huge advantage. Um, you know, I think that uh, Stipe has certainly been in a lot of wars, but DC has been doing athletics for a very long time. Um, His body, you know, has a lot of miles on it from all the sports that he's been playing over the years. And, um, you know, I, I think in regards to fight time and what's going on with the body, I think they're about even Uh, I I, I think that um, Stipe is probably the sharp, the sharper, uh, striker as far as you take your traditional striking, but the way that DC mixes it up, I think gives him the advantage DC. Uh, if he's able to get to the clinch should be able to take that fight to the mat. I still don't think it's going to be easy. Stipe is very good at scrambling to his feet. Um, I think DC's DC's got to make some adjustments uh, in this fight. If he's able to do it, I think he can get the win. Um, I do think it's going to be an absolute war. I think it's going to be a big time chess match. I will go with Daniel Cormier by decision.
1: Wow. Is this fight getting the Florian fight forms treatment,
2: Ken Flo, or what?
1: It sure is. It's all done. It's all done. It's in the vault. It's in
2: the vault, and uh, our our guy Cody will be editing that shortly.
1: All right, so Ken Flo has done the shoot, further breaking down D.C. and Stipe, and that will be on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel uh, later this week. All right, on social media, you can find Ian at MMA. The duck, the man, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thank you, sir.
4: Thank you. And Kenny, uh, nice Grateful Dead shirt, bro. I love it.
1: There that. you go. See that? Boom. That's good. Yeah, we I got he the was, Grateful Dead. The and-, with,
4: and he takes Sean O'Malley wearing a Grateful Dead shirt. What a fucking, <laughs> uh, there you go.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Well,
4: by the way, first, that was the first F-bomb of the whole show for me. All right, I love That's you guys. That's good. Later. Cleaning it up. All right. Cleaning it up. Ian later.
1: Parker with us for the main event challenge. And he will be back with us next Sunday night. Now, though, let's get to the pick to click.
0: Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Annick and Kenny Florian Podcast.
1: All right, the pick-to-click for UFC 252 is brought to you by Odd Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. And the sports world must be back in business if we're talking to this guy. Now joining us, sports betting analyst for OddsShark.com, Joe Osborne is with us. Joel, Joel Joel, it's great to see you. So yesterday on a Sunday, I had action hockey, basketball, baseball, Mm -hmm. NASCAR and golf.
0: Here we go. Wasn't a
1: particularly good day. But how are you navigating this reentry into what is, is our normalcy, you know, on any given normal time?
0: Well, a much different change of pace, isn't it, right? like We had five months where I'm, you know, the betting business ever ends, but I'm doing, you know, Korean baseball, NASCAR, yeah. competitive evening on the 4th of July, of course. And, of course, we had the uh, the UFCs every weekend to, to get us by, thankfully. But now, you know, Monday afternoon NBA games are here, you know, a full slate of Major League Baseball. So it's great. But let me say it's a little bit trickier, the handicap, especially the yeah. Major League Baseball. You know, you have some teams the majority of teams have double-digit games under their belt so far this season. Then you have teams like the, the St. Louis Cardinals have only played, I think, five games. They're still on the shelf. The uh, Your team, John, the Miami Marlins, the second right. most profitable team in baseball it's right now. Who, who would have predicted that after a week off? So it's a little bit tricky to uh, navigate right now, but yeah. man, it's an absolute blast. I love it.
1: Marlins with that COVID nineteen rifling through those veins, just killing guys when they get a chance to play. But you're right. It is hard with baseball. You know, the seven inning double headers. I don't love that. Yeah. I mean, I do I do a lot of first full five, you know, first five inning bets, but these seven mm-hmm. inning games, I haven't hit a seven inning game yet. So we'll try to uh, to turn that around. But we got a big weekend obviously coming yes. up here, Joe. UFC two fifty two. We got the third meeting between Stepe and D C. So Cormier is slight favorite right now, at least where I'm looking. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us as to where you might be leaning in what looks like a very competitive and potentially epic main event?
0: So originally I was leaning steep in this one. You know, I don't like the idea of a guy coming into a fight with one foot at the door towards retirement. But then I looked at this a little bit closer and I think DC's situation, it's a little bit different. You know, it's not like he's coming into this fight on some type of losing streak or he hasn't, uh, Uh, regressed in any way really you know he is coming off a loss but you know he's saying all the right stuff coming into this fight you know he does want to preserve that legacy he wants to build on it become the two-time heavyweight champion so i would throw that narrative out the window about you know dc maybe being distracted about an impending retirement if someone's using that as a reason to pick against him i I wouldn't if he does lose the fight i don't think it's going to be because of any type of distraction so I do like DC. It's not my favorite bet on the card. You know, despite it's not quite a coin flip, but I would DC. I would lean him 60% right now. Yeah. And the reason is it's nothing groundbreaking. I'm sure other people have done this too. I took their two previous fights and you put them together. You know, they've shared the octagon for five rounds together. I would give DC four of those rounds. Some people might disagree and say A won the, the third round in the second fight, but I would give right. DC... Uh, four of the five rounds, and he's also outlanded them by 59 significant strikes in those two that's big fights. That's, that's a pretty big deal in the heavyweight division in the small cage, too. So, of course, we know what happened in the second fight, right? The, fl- the script was flipped very quickly as soon as Stipe started yeah. going to the body a little bit. And, you know, D- I don't have to tell you this, John. DC's a smart guy, you know, fighter IQ. He's probably one of the tops in the sport. So I think he can uh, learn from that and come into this one with a little bit better of a defensive game plan. You know, he's a little bit loose with his striking towards the end of the second fight a little bit. So I think we could see him mixing some kicks. The ones that he did land in that fight, uh, you know, they look like they hurt. And, uh, you know, if this is his last fight, maybe he goes back to his roots a little bit and uh, gets into the grappling. I do think he has a nice edge there, grappling. So I would have to go. uh, I like DC in this one. If he could
1: wrestle in training, and I'm not even sure in our fighter meeting on Wednesday if he's going to give me the honest answer as to how much he's been able to wrestle. Mm-hmm. But all indications were he couldn't wrestle much at all in training leading up to that Stipe rematch. So if he could do it in training, perhaps he'll lead that way on fight night. Anything else at UFC 252 that piques your interest about a 10 fight card right now? What do you think?
0: Yeah, there's two other spots that I like on this one quite a bit and uh, similar reasoning behind both of them. So a uh, big heavyweight fight, Jarzino Rosenstrike in that JDS. Uh, the over-under for this one, over-under one and a half rounds, so you can get the under at minus 115. I think this is my favorite bet on the card, guys. So take a look at Rosenstrike's career. 11 career fights, nine of them were finished before the round and a half mark. And, you know, he's not exactly going up against a uh, very aggressive grappler in JDS. I think he can count the uh, amount of takedowns he has in the octagon on one hand, maybe. So not a real grappling threat from either guy. So I don't think that's going to chew up a lot of time. Uh, And, you know, no big secret here. It's a heavyweight division. Each of these guys has some serious power. It is the small cage JDS on the wrong end of multiple KOs in recent years. Rosenstreich, I don't think he has really good striking Defense. So I think the blueprint is there in that one for an early finish from either guy. And JDS as the underdog, that's not a bad bet there, in my opinion. So I do like the under one and a half rounds in that one quite a bit. Then one of the preliminary fights, Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda, the over under there set at one and a half as well. I like the under minus 120. Similar reasoning. You know, you take a look at Burns, eight career first round victories in 13 total fights including four straight wins in the first round. Then you take a look at Daniel Pineda, uh, not exactly a household name. He is a veteran of the UFC, though, as you guys probably know. He fought in the UFC for 2012, 2014, seven total fights. He's had five straight fights end in the first round. But check this out, 39 career fights, 23 of those have ended in the first round. He's only gotten a decision five times in 39 career fights burns what we've seen from him small sample size but very aggressive which his grappling two fights in the octagon 12 takedowns and both of those fights he won in the first round so i think the blueprint is there as well and you know a lot of people don't like trends like you know if you apply these trends to a major league baseball game hey, this guy's gone under and seven straight uh or they've gone under in seven straight games those don't always pan out but i find with the ufc you know, uh, these trends says a lot about the style of the fighters and the two fights that I just pointed out. I don't think either of those four fighters is coming into this to uh, win a fight on points. All four right, of those guys right. are going to be going for a finish on Saturday night. So I like those bets quite a bit.
1: That's some good research on Pineda Burns. I think you might be on to something there. I and mean, you look pretty good with your over a round and a half on Derek Lewis and Olindic, oh. right? Right? You go to a second round, you have yeah. to feel pretty good sitting on that ticket, right?
0: Yeah, Linnick, I think he he got a little uh, complacent there with uh, the stand-up, and all Derek Lewis needed was uh, a split second to land that punch. Then he got on top of him, and Derek Lewis trying to reinvent himself a little bit there in the heavyweight division, a more sleek version of Derek Lewis with uh, a little bit better cardio. So, yeah, that one hurt. Uh, you know, I didn't sleep as well as I would have liked to on Saturday night that, that happened. So, you know, you get the bad beats, but the UFC has been good to me throughout the, uh, the uh, coronavirus pandemic here. So let's hope we can uh, keep it going here on Saturday night. Let's keep
1: it going on Twitter. He is at JTFOZ, and we've been tracking your every move. I know it's a a difficult navigation for all the pro cappers out there, but Joe Osborne sports analyst, more content from him at odd Great stuff as always, brother. Enjoy the pay-per-view. We will talk to you before UFC 253 uh, in September.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Good luck to you and good luck to all the listeners out there.
1: Thank you so much. There he is, Joel Osborne. Don't call him Joey. Don't call him fucking Joseph. But (laughs) Joe Osborne helping us out here on the Anakin Florian Podcast today. All right, a couple programming notes on the way out of here. Florian Fight Forms Episode 2 later in the week, so you can look for that, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com, and also on the YouTube channel. Also, our UFC 252 recap show is going to be taped next Sunday, August 16th. So Ken Flow is flying to D.C. Is that to work with Ryan Hall? Is that why you're going? Correct.
2: correct. Right.
1: So Ken Flo is heading east. So we're going to get our 252 recap in the can on Sunday. We'll see how quickly uh, Cody Merrow, the wizard, can spin that thing around. But a quick turn, nonetheless, for our show. And just wanted to say in closing, we appreciate everybody out there who's listening, who's subscribing or watching on YouTube. We're trying to keep this thing going. You can also support the show MerakiBJJ.com, AnikFlorianPodcast.com has merchandise. There's a promo code up there as well. And we appreciate every last one of you out there, but we got to get on out of here. Thanks to Ray Longo, Ian Parker, Joel Osborne. This has been a Cody Mero production. With that, for Ken Fulham, John Anik, everybody enjoy UFC 252. Get the masks on or otherwise. Just don't text while you're driving, and we'll talk to you in like five days or so. Till then, be well, be healthy. You'll live.